Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Good afternoon, my name is Sherry Ephraim and I'm happy that you joined the session today, Cisco's Digital Real Estate Transformation Journey. Uh, As I said, I'm Sherry Ephraim, I'm Director of Business Development with ISS. ISS is a leading workplace experience and facilities management company that partners with clients to drive engagement, well-being of people, minimize impact to the environment, (laughs) and protect and maintain properties around the globe. As a Summit official wellness sponsor, we invite you to explore the refocus on wellness tool that you can find on the dashboard of the Summit app. We are pleased to sponsor today's innovation learning session. And now it is my pleasure to introduce Brian Brian McCourt of Cisco Smart Building Consultant. We're almost there, folks. Another hour and a half, so. So we recently opened our Atlanta office about six months ago. Um, And as the design team was going through the design and permitting process, we got a call from the city of Atlanta. And the person on the line said, okay, we understand you're doing a new office. How many food prep kitchens are you gonna have? And we're like, well, what do you mean? They're like, you're Cisco the food company, aren't you? We are not that Cisco, right? So a little bit about myself. Um, I'm a smart building consultant with Cisco. Prior to joining Cisco for about the last two and a half years, I was with Steelcase for many years. So my background is in design and construction. And let me tell you, if I can learn technology, you all can learn technology. Because I believe that's probably the the best opportunity we have to address certain challenges. So if you don't know what Cisco does, I'm gonna give a little bit of context for that. Because when I joined Cisco, admittedly, I kind of know what we did, but I don't really know what we do. I'm guessing you're all about the same. So Cisco is a connectivity company. So in 1984, we had two Stanford graduates that became husband and wife that wanted to communicate across campus. They created the first local area network. So Cisco has created the hardware for the public internet. In fact, it's estimated that 80% of all public internet traffic goes over some type of Cisco hardware. So you think of Cisco, think of connectivity. That was 1984. In 2001, when the telephone wanted to connect to the internet, we connected the telephone through what's called power over ethernet, which is a simple little cable. So we connected the telephone in 2001. When video conference, if you might remember from 2007, 2008, we had very large telepresence rooms. We connected video conferencing to the internet. Today what we're doing is we're connecting building subsystems that I'll talk about to create a better user experience and support hybrid work. So for me, coming from the industry, I always kind of laugh. Hybrid work has been there for a very long time. Companies have been practicing distributed work for a very, very long time. What happened was the pandemic required companies to adopt it, right? And so now we're at this precipice about what does it mean to be truly connected in a multi-location type of place. So what I'm going to cover over kind of like the next 18 minutes, I'm going to cover off three topics. The first one has been what has been the Cisco real estate journey. The second one is when we start designing spaces, what are the four design criteria that we're using? And the third one would be, and I think this is the biggest opportunity, what is the power of connectivity to give you a better user experience, to support hybrid work? If you didn't go to the ENY presentation, it was a phenomenal presentation. They did a survey and they noted that there were competing priorities, that would say, cost reduction, supporting hybrid work and user experience. 
we would argue you can address all three, including reducing your capex, by including technology early in in the design process. That's the punchline out of all this. Okay. So this is our. This is our recent office that we did, did in New York. It's been open for about a year and a half ago. Now, my experience with Steelcase, companies when they look at real estate tend to be either, you can kind of put them into two categories. It's companies look at real estate either as an expense to manage, right? Most companies are like that. Or as a strategic platform to attract and retain and um, achieve your um, enterprise goals. Cisco classically, and we've got our design team back here, they would know better than I, but if you kind of walked into this office pre-pandemic, it was a 1994 kind of federal building, no offense to our federal peeps. So it was 54 inch high panels, large corners, tan value on. It was not a very inspiring space. So if you talk to our real estate group today, they will tell you our real estate strategy has nothing to do with real estate. Can you hear me all? Yeah. Oh, there's no echo now, it's so nice. Our real estate strategy has nothing to do with real estate. We view real estate as a platform to realize our enterprise goals. So what is the biggest issue facing companies today? This is where you interact. The war for talent, right? So for us, we view real estate as a platform to attract and retain talent and accelerate our net zero journey. In fact, there was an interesting statistics that I heard recently. By 2030, 75% of employees will be either millennial or Gen Z. Why is that important? They have grown up with technology. If any of you have raised kids and survived the teenage years, right, you know that that generation, they demand good connectivity and technology being pervasive throughout the space. So you're doing projects today and as you go through planning, 75% of the people in the next five to six years that are gonna have at your space is Gen Z millennials. You need to consider technology early in the design process. There was also, there was a, um, a podcast or a seminar and an interview on NPR with the Chief People Officer of Manpower, and they talked about, much like in 2008 when more people left the construction industry, right, so we know trade labor is very difficult today. In, during the pandemic, more people retired than anticipated. So the war for talent is gonna be with every company today. We believe space plays a key, um, from that, a key role from that standpoint. The second thing is how we look at it as a platform is to accelerate our net zero journey. So I'm sure many of your organizations have published net zero goals. We wanna be net zero scope three by 2040, scope one and two by 2025. So as you look at the as-built environment, we know that the as-built environment contributes 40% of the greenhouse gases globally, right? It is one of the big contributors to carbon emission. We know depending on the, the, the density of a city, building, commercial buildings consume anywhere from 40 to 70%. So as you're designing your projects, how are you looking at reducing your embodied carbon and reducing your operational carbon. We believe technology plays that kind of role. So as we start designing spaces, we're really designing around four specific design criteria. First one is around user experience. This is obviously the top issue for everybody. Again, I think it kind of goes back to the war for talent. Every organization today is trying to address user experience. We talked a bit about that, but from our perspective, user experience is not just limited to the office. You know, right? So distributed work, you know, the home office is a branch office. So what is that experience as people work from their home, as they transition into the space, so it becomes very seamless. So we design user experience as top of mind. The second one is around well-being. So we all have known in the as-built environment that indoor air quality was not as good as outdoor air quality. We knew this pre-pandemic. It took a virus to elevate that, but well-being is top of mind. In fact, we know that 73% of employees are concerned about indoor air quality. 
So how are we addressing indoor air quality? And if you're looking at the well standard, how are you doing continuous monitoring? And then how are you exposing that to your employees to key criteria? The third one is really about supporting our net zero journey. Um, again, this is about reducing embodied carbon, but also operational carbon, I'll get more into that. And the fourth one is, it's really around data and insights. So how did we collect data prior to the pandemic? Even at Steelcase, we sent people around with clipboards. Again, it was a very 1990s approach. The pandemic, you know, we often hear about, you know, we've got too much occupancy. I think people, we have short-term memories. Pre-pandemic, we knew, Steelcase stat, that only 60% of space was being occupied, or said differently, 40% was being underutilized, right? Today, they talk about employee productivity working remote. What was the hot topic prior to the pandemic? Presenteeism. Does people remember that? There were stats saying 70, 80%. Nothing's changed, but the way we approach designing constructing spaces has to change. So these are our four design criteria, and these are not, inter these are not independent. So if you look on the right-hand side, when we do projects, we want to really figure out how do we stitch these use cases together to drive better outcomes. So here, here's a picture of our Atlanta office. So from a user experience standpoint, we, Cisco has, we've, we do not have a mandate. It is up to the frontline leader. But we want to create meaningful experiences and a space that's compelling enough so people come into the office. So we know people are going to work from home. So from a user experience standpoint, we have the same hardware in our homes as we do in our offices. So when I work at home and I'm doing video conferencing, this is called a desk pro. Right? It's not working on your laptop, it's not working on screens, it's a complete video conferencing unit. But when I go into a Cisco office, I have the exact same hardware and the exact same platform. So I'm not learning different things, it's very seamless. In fact, when I walk up, this is a POE height adjustable desk, I literally click on the QR code with my phone, it pulls up my reservation, I can actually reserve that room real or that desk real time for myself. And that's collecting also information on the back end from an occupancy standpoint. If I go into one of the conference rooms, the room recognizes me because of technology off my phone. I literally walk in there, and if I've got a reservation, it's gonna pull it up, and it's literally just one button to push. These are the kind of experiences that we want for people when they come into the office. Because why would I have better technology at home and wanna drive 45 minutes to come to an office? I often say, we live in a 21st century world, but we work in a 20th century world. Right? So we have to change how we approach designing spaces. So that's really around user experience. From a well-being standpoint, if you're not familiar with the Mecco Solar Track shades, they not only do a tremendous job in reducing energy costs, the heat gain coming off of glass and buildings for your HVAC is significant. In fact, Mecco, they've got a case story with the New York Times that by using automated shades, so we have a radiometer on the roof, it's measuring atmospheric conditions. So it's adjusting the shades based on what's happening on the shell of the building. It actually reduced your energy cost for HVAC draw by 27%. So we're using it for energy, but we're also using it for comfort, right? So from a well-being standpoint. Third thing is, we have height adjustable desks. These are Technion PoE height adjustable desks. If you're not familiar with power over ethernet, I said in 2001 where we put the phone on the internet, right, and who owned the phone prior to IP? It was owned by facilities, it's now by, owned by IT. We created a category two cable, it's called power over ethernet, that has both power and data in one cable, and it's RJ45. It is literally plug and play. It is super simple. You now can do 90 watts. So these height adjustable desks that, that were developed, they're actually using power over ethernet cables. Why is that important? We avoided $360,000 of core drilling in this new space by doing power over ethernet versus line voltage. 
If we want to do add moves and changes for this pod right here, conventional construction line voltage would have been five grand a day and a half. Today it's four hours of $1,500 add moves and change, right? So usability, well-being from a sustainability standpoint, if you look about the ceiling, the world is moving to low voltage. If you didn't know, renewable energy is DC based. It gets brought into a building, it gets converted to AC. You get, you get heat loss, you're losing about 12% in all the conversions. From a sustainability standpoint, we wanna keep renewable energy DC based on how it should be, right? So all the lighting that we do above, the whole ceiling, in our New York office, we eliminated 3,000 pounds of conduit and 500 pounds of copper just by going to power over ethernet, right? So it's absolutely very significant. Um, and then from a data and insight standpoint, I always say that data, data is new love language for corporate real estate, right? I would tell you that probably the biggest opportunity that you all have is to work with your IT group. In our Atlanta office, we are pulling 8,000 data sets continually. And it is, we do not have a lot of sensors. It's coming off of our wireless access points, our lighting platform, um, our security cameras is a tripwire and our video collaboration devices. So to my real estate counterparts, if you're looking for data and insights, reach out to your IT group, right, to find out what's available. It's pretty interesting, like IT and real estate are siblings that don't hang out together at Thanksgiving. Why is that? I would say probably because IT's typically brought, been brought in very late in the design process, and we'll talk about that. They need to be a trusted advisor very early on. Again, if I can learn technology, do not be afraid of technology. So from a data and insight standpoint, so we highly suggest so many customers are redoing their spaces to measure what is the new ways of working. How many of you actually consider what data you need during the schematic phase? So what we recommend doing, and there's a financial reason for doing this, is when you get into the schematic phase and you've defined the outcomes, before the AMD firm, the GC, or the MEP firm start specifying anything, define what data sets you want out of the space. If you do it late, it is absolutely considerably more cost effective. If you define what data sets you want prior to designing your building subsystems, it's actually gonna save you money. So when we talk about data, defining it up front, and your data always starts what's called at the edge. At the edge. It's relative to your endpoints. So if you define what data sets you need to measure, whether it's employee engagement, energy, what have you, the endpoint is how you're gonna capture it. You wanna bring it into what's called the network. You don't need to know how the watch is made. Just know that there's a fourth utility and infrastructure where that's gonna be pulled into switches, which is gonna normalize the data. You wanna, you, we have 8,000 data points. You wanna make it meaningful. The switch will do that for you. The, then the third thing is, is how are you gonna really consolidate that and put into that and then how you're gonna visualize it. So think about the data journey very early on because it's gonna save you money and I'm gonna share a bit about that. Does that make sense? Yep. So we, I've said this before, technology offers a better way to design and construct. What do I mean by that? So we talked about Cisco being a connectivity company. I think y'all get it, right? The average building has 30 subsystems. The way that the design and construction process works today is the MEP firm, the design firm, they are going out and specifying separate subsystems that do not talk to each other. I can't tell you how many customers I've met with that can't get information out of their BMS system or their occupancy doesn't interact with other things. So we know that subsystems are requiring connectivity, opportunity. If you make decisions early on in the design process, we have proven out in our New York, New York office that our build-out cost was 8% less than market rate. 
It's a cheaper way to design and construct because every subsystem has its own hardware and has, has its own software, right? And it's very difficult to get them to come interoperable and to communicate with each other. So by, by defining data at the beginning, by putting all these subsystems on what's called an open API network, all you need to know is a common hardware. These, when you think of technology, you have open API, which think of like, how many people like buying different chargers from Apple for everything? That's considered a proprietary system. What you want is you want to choose systems that is referred to as open API or open language. If you do that, it is a considerably more cost-effective way to design and construct. Does that make sense? Right. So by doing that, so we get engaged. We are a resource to you all, so we typically are parts of the design team. We will work with the customer, the AMD firm, the GC, the MEP firm. We'll look at what divisions you're looking to deploy. We basically want to put that on a common network because you're going to be eliminating hardware. You may or may not know, Cisco's actually the world's largest cybersecurity company. We will make sure and talk about best practices from a security standpoint. And then we'll talk about how are these systems going to interact to give you the results that you want. So JLL has a really good term called uh, dynamic operations, right? Which is basically, so in our spaces, how many people, if you lived in Denver today, how many people, it's like 17 degrees? I would say this is like spring in Grand Rapids when I lived here, so. Let's say it's 70 degrees. How many of you would leave your heater running if you weren't home? You never would. But what's happening in hybrid is that demand for office is very variable, but your building systems go on at 5 a.m. and go on at 9 p.m. You are burning energy you don't need to. So by having dynamic operations, which means we personally are using occupancy that impacts lighting, shades, HVAC, and AV. If you looked at our April 2019 kilowatts per hour for our New York office versus April 2022, we cut that by 36%, right? Again. You live in a 21st century world, don't design spaces like it's the 20th century. So you want dynamic operations. So think of the network as an opportunity to do that. Again, it's not complicated, it's just a matter of having those discussions early on. And then ultimately what you can also do is you can look at, oops. we talked about those 8,000 data points. So you can actually visualize it now for your employee experience. So there's some great partners out here. Look, they have third-party sensors. They all require connectivity. This is a, um, a product that we use from our Cisco Spaces. For Cisco Spaces, it's basically a software that is um, locating your wireless access points, right? It's a location thing. We have over 2.7 million sensors already on Spaces. Probably many of you have those. That's, over four, that's about four to six billion square feet. You could probably, if you have Cisco hardware, you can get this kind of floor, this kind of insights around space behavior by floor plate, by zone, and possibly by room by using your existing network already. So I'd kindly encourage you to do that. But all those data points, you basically want to be able to visualize them. You want to create dashboards that makes it important so CRE can make informed decisions, right? So for our own use, so we had information from how, what spaces at our Pen One office in New York we're using, those spaces that were being used the most, we increased the number of those when we did our Atlanta office. It becomes a programming tool for future projects and ambos and changes. But I always tell everybody, if you want this view, what's the first thing you start with on a data journey? your endpoints. So if you want that view, you've got to consider what endpoints you're doing very early on in the process. Typically what happens in design and construction, everything gets built and the customer's like, okay, how do I start stitching it together? How do I get data in my BMS? So start with the data in mind, consider what is your endpoint strategy, and then when you normalize it, 
you're bringing it through a network, right? It is not complicated. We are here to support you from that standpoint. And most importantly, why do we do it? Companies look at real estate in two ways, I may have said this. First cost or strategic, um, strategic asset to leverage. Cisco's been first cost. So from a financial standpoint, we've had to justify these. So we see a flight to quality, right? So we talk about divesting our portfolio to invest in better quality of space. We're actually getting financial benefits from it. So in New York, we built at 8% below market rate, right? In, in Manhattan, 36% energy. If you're looking for lead certification, well certification, we actually did a webinar for Cornet on that. Your network provides a significant opportunity to reach those types of things. In New York, we're getting 5,000 data points. The other thing, so I know badge data has its limitations. What has helped us understand is we're actually getting more touch points in our New York, New York office than we had prior to the pandemic. Right now, we've obviously closed locations, but we get more people coming in per month than we originally anticipated. And then from Atlanta standpoint, uh, I talked about the $360,000 savings. So kind of the net out is IT is your friend. Engage them. If you make decisions early on in the design process, it can actually reduce your costs, not only your OPEX, but your CAPEX but it's gonna give you a better user experience. So when you walk into one of our New York offices, you literally can walk into the room and say, okay, WebEx, tell the room to drop the stage, turn off the lights and start the meeting. So we're using voice activation now around user experience. Any questions? We got, a, we got like one or two minutes. Cool, thank you, appreciate that. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.